Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard Feel my heat taking you higher. Burn with me. It's episode number 93 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man, the world's most cinematic Eric Roberts related podcast. I'm Doug Tilly. Joining me as usual is the beast from the East, Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing today, Liam? You know what, Doug? I'm feeling good. I'm about to go on a little trip. I'm not going to work for a week or so. I'm feeling feeling jazzed up, feeling hyped, feeling something else good. Great. I mean, honestly, it's good to hear, Liam. You've been kind of a depressing influence on the podcast since sure. the beginning of 2019. And it's it's understandable, but I yeah. do get a little concerned when it goes week after week and you don't seem to be brightening up at all. Liam, did you recognize the quote I, I said at the very beginning of my intro there? No, I have no idea what that is. That, that those are lyrics from a very famous song called Heaven's on Fire by the band Kiss, Liam. I wouldn't know anything about that. Now, we haven't really talked about the band Kiss on this uh, podcast. There hasn't been a lot of opportunity to, Liam. But I've always wondered, I've always wondered, what are your thoughts on the band Kiss? Uh, I appreciate any uh, carny shit, as you know. I'm a fan Mm -hmm. of carny shit. And if anything is a work, it's got to be Kiss. And so anyone who can bilk marks of that much money, I'm into. I mean, very libertarian view that you have there, Liam. Um, they're terrible. Kiss are bad. They're yeah, really the music fucking. is really bad. It's really bad. And they all the members, see, it's like they have a rule that you can't be a member of the band unless you're a piece of shit. I do think that's, uh, that their fans are, are dumb, awful people. I mean, I don't want to make a generalization. Jesus, but it just seems on. like only garbage humans um, who suck listen to the band Kiss. Again, look, that's just me talking. Liam obviously <laughs> feels very differently. Uh, but it's just, I mean... What am I being unfairly? <laughs> <laughs> I I think you've I, I mean I, you know what this is your grave and if you want to dig it I'm not here to to judge but it does feel like you're describing Ted Nugent fans more than Kiss fans. I mean, look, you know what the the world of music is a rich tapestry. As we're speaking right now, the Grammy Awards are airing on television. Where we, unfortunately we're torn away from the television screen to have to record this podcast. But it's a rich tapestry. You can be garbage over there. You can be garbage over here. It's it really is mostly garbage. Uh, so yeah, if you're a Ted Nugent fan, you are most likely a piece of shit. And if you're a Kiss fan, hey, you can also be a piece of shit. It's okay. It's okay. I mean, I think that's what we're really getting to here, Liam. I just feel like there's a punchline coming or something. I don't understand no what's line. happening right now. You've I'm got not this a axe to grind. Uh, sh- I had sh- no sh- idea. Sh- 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 shut, shut the fuck up, Liam. Our guests this week are the co-hosts of the Trying Times podcast. It's Scott Wampler and Katie Schultz. How you doing, guys? Doing pretty good. Living the dream. Living, it's so good to have you here. Now, you probably expected that you would be brought onto this podcast to talk about the actor Eric Roberts, since this is Eric Roberts is the fucking man, the podcast about the life and work of actor Eric Roberts. But instead, I want to start today by asking the both of you about the band Kiss. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, I don't care about Eric Roberts. I just want to dunk on Kiss. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, this is a very exciting. Well, Scott, you're just gonna uh, you're gonna have to wait one second, Katie. I want to start with uh, you. 
Now, uh, a little bird told me you're a huge fan of the band Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> um, that birdie would be wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I don't think I could name a Kiss song. Yeah, I, I, I don't mean to interrupt. Well, you're I, you're being you're being humble. I, I don't want to interrupt, <laughs> but know, there is one song. Know. It's called "Heaven's on Fire." Wait. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I don't know that song. Well, no, no. It, it, it's okay that you haven't heard of it, but I quoted the lyrics at the very beginning. So, in a yes. way, you know the song at this point. Um, I Well, hold on. I'm going to interject here because mm-hmm. Schultz has a tattoo that says, <laughs> Heaven's on Fire, I Love Kiss. Ah. So, I, I don't believe that you don't know yeah, about that's, Kiss. That's like on top, like half of it's on top of uh, Gene Simmons's face. Mm-hmm. And the other half is below Gene Simmons's face. That's right. And you have the tongue with the butthole. Yeah, and, and it's yeah, like the right. butthole. Like right, 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 Scott, yeah. Scott, right. your thoughts on the band? Actually, I, I, I'm just going to switch gears a little bit. We're missing the Grammy Awards right now. Uh, you guys, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm taking you yes, away from very the Grammy prestigious. Awards. It, I, I don't care. Oh, well, Katie, <laughs> that that's a very I don't I don't even know how to respond. That's to that. exactly what a Kiss fan. <laughs> Scott, what do you think about the Grammys, the Grammy Awards? It's a it's an award ceremony where they give awards to music. Mm. First of all, I, I I thank you for explaining the, the Grammys mm-hmm. to me. He wants but also, to win every category. Uh-huh. Um, I think the Grammys can get fucked. Oh, I don't, I don't <laughs> care. But also, I, I stopped listening to popular music in ninety four, ninety five, that era. Uh, uh, I, I'm not. I'm not hip enough to understand. Scott, it actually sounds like you would get along very well with my co-host Liam. Liam, as some yes. some listeners know, he's a punk. Uh, he's actually straight edge. Uh, so I was going to say it okay, says that like, in the in the notes that we received. What? Okay, but like, is Liam as punk as the kid from this movie? Now that's mm, a great. That's question. pretty punk. Yo, that kid what was, was going? Oh. Almost, almost his whole head was dyed the same color. He had some cotton candy highlights. Mm-hmm. Very, uh, uh, let's let's give Liam an opportunity to respond. Liam, are you as punk as the son of the commish from the television show, <laughs> The Commish? I mean, this he very much looked like he uh, had been up front at many a three eleven show. That was sort yeah. of the vibe mm-hmm. he was giving me. He was on the three eleven cruise, which apparently is a thing that actually exists. Oh, oh boy, that makes me a little. So you watch this. So I think what he's saying is he watched this and he aspired to that level of of, of fandom. Yeah, I mean, I was like, "What? What the fuck, man? Like he's jacking my style over here." You know, mm-hmm. you know, many many <laughs> episodes. Earrings in both ears. That's right. He's- I think if it was a three eleven fan, I think his hair would have been colored uh, the color of amber of of energy, uh- <laughs> energy, energy oh. versus versus the uh, the uh, what, what do you call it? Uh, the chrome. It was cotton candy blue. Was it? Yeah. Well, it was like light blue. It was not know. at all silver. Silver would have been cooler. We're it getting was like way ahead of it. I just, I just like that yeah. he kept expressing his anti-authoritarianism by being mean to his possible stepsister. That was I really thought. Yeah. Look, I don't. We are. We are. Cooties. I'm just going to put a big no, stop. I'm going to put a big stop on this conversation for a second, mostly because I want to save this for when we talk about the movie, in particular yes. because I thought that that movie was going to end up. With him wanting to bang his own stepsister, but we're going to get to that in just a I was little very bit. Scared of that. We need to talk about Eric Roberts, but before we do that, we need to get back to the topic of music. Liam, Jesus. remember many episodes ago, uh, we had a conversation about if you had to go on a cruise that was one uh, was themed towards one band. 
which would it be? And you, Liam, you might recall that you answered the Mountain Goats is a band that you enjoy very much. The Mountain Goats. <laughs> yes. Okay. I do remember. I was about to say I don't remember this conversation, but now I do. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We had a little conversation about that. Very quickly, I would like our two guests, starting with you, Scott, and then moving on to Katie, to tell me if you had to go on a cruise that was themed after a musical act, which musical act would it be? And I've said this uh, all. So I know. Go ahead. Uh, Lizzo. As of right now, it would be Lizzo. Mm-hmm. Lizzo, uh huh, uh huh. Lizzo, oh. yeah. Did you hear the Did you hear the the uh, unimpressed sound coming out of Liam's mouth just then? No, that was a sound of appreciation. I have karaoke in my head right now. <laughs> I love me some Lizzo. She's my mm. favorite thing. Scott, it's your turn. Let's hear it. Uh, I'm going Captain Beefheart on this one all the way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're gonna you're gonna want that Captain Beefheart cruise. Scott, sticking with you for a second. When were you first aware? Of Eric Roberts, the actor. Hmm. I know. I mean, it was probably stuck in your head, right? It was probably an important moment. <laughs> right. I, I assume um, I was unclothed. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, uh, Naturally. This had to be in the late 90s, early 2000s. Sure. Uh, you know, it, it came to me later in life. He's, he's one of those... Um, Acquired taste. To, well, he's, <laughs> to me, he's one of those that guy's. He's a you know, that he's guy. reliably sturdy. He's he is sturdy. Eric Roberts. <laughs> yes, he's a support beam, but he is not necessarily um, Eric Roberts. To me, is like uh, the tofu of filmmaking, where he's going to sort of take on the flavor of whatever actor uh, he's opposite against or director that is directing him, but mm-hmm. is not necessarily a standout. He what? is he is there to be a protein. For the rest of the dish. Now, I do think, I agree okay. that at this point, I'll ask you just one second, Katie, but the, that at this point, I would agree with what you're saying, Scott, but there was a time that he wasn't just a supporting actor. He was the best supporting mm-hmm. actor. He was nominated for best supporting actor for Runaway Train back in 1987. But that may well be, but I was unaware of it, and thus it does not matter. That's, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's important for us to understand through our 93 episodes of Eric Roberts' The Fucking Man that Eric Roberts' career had certain stages. And we're viewing the stages in sort of a mixed order, but it's all coming together. Liam, you're aware of this, certainly. And there are different kinds of Eric Roberts roles that we see. And this one that we'll talk about in a little bit is sort of on model, you know, a kind of a generic hero role. But Katie, my understanding is that you're kind of new to the whole Eric Roberts thing. I mean, I would have definitely been like, I've seen that dude and some other stuff. Sure. But I don't know who he is or what his name is, just that he is around. <laughs> uh, I did not know he was Julia Roberts's brother what? until Scott told me in the middle of watching the movie. It kind of blew my mind. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, he is. I kind of agree with your like protein statement. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like he's like he's like Denny's. <laughs> I I don't want to undermine what you're saying right now, but it's kind of mm-hmm. difficult for you to agree with what Scott just said if this is the first time you've ever noticed him in a movie before. Um, I've noticed him and stuff before. I just didn't. I take back what I said back then. Of course, he was in The Dark Knight. That's probably what a lot of people recognize him from. Mm-hmm. And of course, Rihanna's "Bitch Better Have My Money" music video is something that is very popular amongst guests of Eric Roberts is the fucking man who do not not know yes. who Eric Roberts is. Uh, they played that at my grandmother's funeral. Yeah, very, <laughs> very classy, very tasteful. I have not seen that music video. Scott, favorite... Well, you weren't invited to my grandmother's fucking funeral. That's why. (laughs) Scott, your favorite Eric Roberts performance quickly. Uh, uh, Dark Uh, Knight. Dark Knight? Hey, 
Why not? Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna walk that back and I'm gonna say my favorite Eric Roberts performance is in this commercial that we would be discussing. We're gonna <laughs> we have a very exciting commercial to talk about. Some of you listeners are probably already well aware of this commercial, but it was my first introduction to it just earlier today. Uh, and maybe we'll get into that and a whole lot more on the Roberts Report. It's the Roberts Report for episode number 93 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. And as per usual, we start with a deep dive on the man himself's Twitter feed. You can follow Eric Roberts on Twitter at Eric Roberts, all one word. And I strongly recommend you do, because if you did, you could see a lot of interaction between Eric Roberts and his good buddy, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Isn't this exciting, Liam, seeing Eric and Jeffrey Dean Morgan having little conversations on Twitter? Yes, very exciting. Few days back, Jeffrey Dean Morgan drew a drew. <laughs> he took a photo of him and I guess his son because it says hashtag dad bribes, giving his son his first Oreo. And Eric Roberts uh, quote uh, tweeted it and said, "Dad bribes, ha 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 ha." So a uh, little playful uh, relationship here between Jeffrey Dean Morgan and one Mister Eric Roberts. Uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, are you a yay or nay on the Jeffrey Dean Morgan uh, Scott? Yes. Yay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Strong yay on yes, that. Yes, yay. <laughs> what, what, what's so good? You know, people say that he looks like Javier Bardem. Well, that's... I, I don't agree with that. Right? You know. They have but a, certainly I'm, I'm on board the Morgan train. Morgan, okay. Hey, do either of you have any children? No. Not that I... Not that you know of. Right, of course. Now, children are bad, right? There's no good reason to have a child in this in this world that we live in. They're almost always KISS fans. Yeah, no kidding. They grow up to be. But, but, but I mean, look, I just want to see, I, I really just want to test the waters a little bit here. Now, of course, Liam has a beautiful two-year-old daughter going on her first long trip tomorrow. Precious, wonderful child. But usually, children are just the worst. Uh, thoughts on that, Katie? Um... <laughs> Thoughts yes. on children are the worst. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. I agree. I agree that children are the worst, and I don't like seeing them in public. I mean, and movies. We all love movies here. And isn't it terrible when you go to watch a movie, say in a movie theater, and there's a child in there, and the child just won't shut up? I I just, uh, I really don't understand why anybody would bring their kid to the movie theater. Mm-hmm. It's just a bad plan all around. Like, you know the kid's going to make noise and want to run around and scream when it doesn't get its way. You know that's what's going to happen. I thought, its way. I thought you were going to say, I don't know why anyone would bring a child into this world. And I was going to agree very strongly. But I still agree with what you had to say. Scott. I mean, that also. Um, but, you know, like, movie. I understand why some people would want to bring children to the, into the world. They're wrong. But, mm-hmm. you know, like, whatever. Now, uh, I'll get back to your thoughts on children in just a moment, Scott. But, Liam... You obviously have a counterpoint to this. You think that this world is worth having a child in. (laughs) I'm confused as to what your point is because on one hand, you want to say that children are little monsters that you you hate. absolutely. On the other hand, you're saying that uh, it's bad to bring them into the world. But if the Mm -hmm. world is a trash fire, then why not populate it with monsters? You're kind of inconsistent right now. I have to live in this world, Liam. I recognize that it's a trash fire, but I'm doing my bit. To try sure. to uh, make things a little bit better, a little hard to do when certain people, no, no fingers being pointed, are continually being bringing children into the world. No, I mean I hear what you're saying, 
Right. And it is true that sometimes I also find children annoying, uh, especially children that are not my child. Mm -hmm. Uh, On the other hand, most people who hate children are themselves just adult children, and they're just jealous that children get to do fun things that they don't get to do, and they have to be adults and like work jobs and shit. And so so the the reality (laughs) is like they're just themselves grown monsters, and actual adults, though they also find children annoying sometimes, don't make it such a big deal. So it's like I'm feeling really called out right now. It, I'm just I'm just <laughs> saying the truth, you know. It is, if it applies to you, it applies to you. To be fair, before I had a kid, I would, for the most part, kind of like, eh, kids are kind of annoying. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But but I also think it's an appropriate place thing. I mean, I love my child, and if anyone right. you know talks shit on my kid, I would you know freak out. On the mm-hmm. other hand. I wouldn't bring Maeve to a movie theater right now. She's two years old. Like, why would you bring? Or like, I don't. We don't bring her to like fancy restaurants. You know what I mean? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> but the reality is, like, you can bring a kid to a playground, and there's a some fucking man child. Like, what's this kid doing here? I was gonna hang out at this playground, and I'm like, oh my god, I hate you, and I want you to die. That's that's how I feel. Well, you you do have a bit of a temper. What if uh, Maeve was to grow up to be a Kiss fan? I mean, I support uh, all genders, so I'm okay with that. On (laughs) February 6th, Eric Roberts put out a very aggressive tweet. It says, wow, exclamation point, at Verizon, at Verizon support screws up again. Remember when knowledgeable people used to work in the stores and actually help? Hashtag over. (laughs) (laughs) Seems all you're competent at these days is your illegal activities, ripoffs, scams, and threats against loyal customers now um we see this on the eric roberts uh, twitter feed sometimes he uh, he, he puts um, uh, you know companies on blast you might say or he praises them especially if there are a lot of airlines he uh, he likes to tweet at airlines talking about how great their service is is this an effective way gonna start start with you scott is this an effective way of getting service or some sort of uh positive uh, outcome if you're having some sort of difficulty with a uh, store or company or organization is to put them on blast on twitter I'm going to say no, only because when you see this sort of unchecked rage, uh, this fury that, that Eric Roberts has unleashed on Twitter, I think it's, it's so intimidating to anyone that sees it that they are naturally going to recoil from it. And I, I, I think Verizon is, you know, included in that. Scott, have you ever had somebody, uh, you, you, cause I mean, well, you're a great presence on Twitter. We all love your tweets. It's all terrific stuff. <laughs> Sorry, well, it sounded really disingenuous when I said it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> what a shitty thing. For... No, I legitimately, of course, I love your Twitter feed. But you sometimes write things that could be uh, construed as controversial. Have you ever been put on blast by a celebrity? Well, I I, I want to walk back to what we're considering controversial. Mm-hmm. Oh, do you want me to come up with some examples? Yes. Well, because I I don't feel I feel like uh, my Twitter feed is very vanilla. You know, we're talking about a thing that, uh, you know, reposts uh, new Thanos memes. Sure. And, <laughs> Definitely you know, not anything that would make anybody mad. You know, openly telling people to fuck their own mothers. And mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't feel like this is a thing that it, should be. Controversy is sort of a sliding scale when it comes to Twitter. That's absolutely correct. However, okay, fair, you are a fair, person fair, fair. who has opinions. Word, word about yes. things and if you have uh-huh. an opinion about things on twitter sometimes there are people who are strongly the opposite of that opinion and sometimes they'll let you know that uh through dms mm-hmm. talking about how they're going to kill you and that sort of mm-hmm. thing uh and i'm just wondering if you've ever had in a situation where someone put you on blast 
I have, but I don't think I can legally talk about it. Oh! <laughs> I've had uh, problems with the job um, where I have where I have said a thing or uh, somebody else who is under my employee has said a, a thing that... Has made somebody or some people not happy. Yeah, I'm dancing around this. Um, oh, okay. You know, uh, yeah. but but such is the nature of the business. It's a- um, and, and particularly in our line of work where we are less concerned with keeping the studios happy and sort of speaking our minds. It's the nature of the beast, to quote the title of a 1995 Eric Roberts, Lance Henriksen movie that was directed by a pedophile. Going over to you, Katie. Ever been put on blast, whether on social media or in real life? No, I've never been put on blast. What would your reaction be to something like that? Um, to hide. It's an intimidating idea. <laughs> <laughs> I would just go away. <laughs> well, if you ever, either of you, or you too, Liam, actually, maybe I'll just start with you just for a second here. Liam, ever been put on blast? No. I mean, you have some strong opinions. Yeah, I've had the occasional like stray racist get mad at me, but nothing sure. like full stray blast, racist. like nothing like that. <laughs> like a cat. <laughs> what what DC movie was his favorite? <laughs> <laughs> what well, what one time I you know it was everyone was having very strong opinions about the uh, you know it's cold outside song and people were going at it and I just was like, well, I just don't like the song one way or the other. It's a bad song. I don't I don't like stuff like that. You know, it's just like old white people music and this dude was like <laughs> this dude got very upset and he was like oh so how do you feel about Nat King Cole and I'm like oh, <laughs> that's the conversation we're gonna have right now I'm cool man we're good I don't need, I don't need to engage <laughs> well if any of you have ever experienced being put on blast uh, here's a, some words of wisdom from Eric Roberts tweeted on February 1st harassment is when the promise of something carries the threat of nothing and both the promise and the threat cause pain making them equal promises that break you thoughts on that scott uh well it's deeply erotic Mm. (laughs) that's my i mean that's my initial response um i'm aroused i'm at three quarters masked um but i don't have anything beyond that i mean these are some this is a sincere thought from eric roberts right he's talking about harassment we're not here to mock eric roberts this is a celebration Mm. of the life and work of actor eric roberts but you may not be here to mock Eric Roberts, but also um, sincerity is not something I'm good with. So you may want to throw it to somebody else. All right. All right. We'll come back to the sincerity thing. Katie, harassment is when the promise of something carries the threat of nothing and both the promise and the threat cause pain, making them equal. Promises that break you. Agree or disagree? Uh, I think it's... Strong disagree. Mm. I think it's traumatic. <laughs> I think it's really dramatic. When there was two footprints in the sand. Oh. Uh, I think he needs to calm down. Would you agree with that, Liam? Does Eric Roberts need to calm down? <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming Eliza wrote this, but... No, you can't make that assumption, Liam. Don't you think it's kind of ironic, let's say, that he's talking about harassment here and about how much pain it can potentially cause, and then you could make a case that he's sicking his followers on Verizon just a couple of tweets later. Yeah, but Verizon has it coming, though, right? They do, right? Right? We hate Verizon, right? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mostly I just don't think this is is as coherent as he thinks it is. Like I think I don't know about yeah. that last bit. <laughs> Promises that break you. What is that supposed to mean, Liam? I don't that's what I'm saying. I'm not quite sure I understand any of it actually. 
Like <laughs> <laughs> what? What is the promise of something carries the threat of nothing? What does that mean? I don't promises anyway. that break you. I mean, maybe this is a pitch. Maybe he's actually pitching a movie here. Potentially promises that break you coming in 2020, starring Eric Roberts. So anyway, let's talk about this walk-in tub commercial. So uh, recently, I want one. Recently, a, a commercial started airing, I believe, on television in the United States of America uh, for American Standard walk-in tubs, uh, and yes. and it uh, features Eric Roberts. Uh, basically, he's a pitchman. He's pitching tubs, walk-in tubs for people. He's, he mentioned that you know he he had had some uh, physical difficulties, particularly after a car accident, a very notable car accident in his career, and that uh, you got sometimes you got to chill out. Lying in the tub. And this is uh, uh, pitching to, I guess, older men and women uh, who might uh, require a little bit more assistance when it comes to getting in the tub. I've had all three of you watch this commercial. I'm going to start with you, Liam. What do you think of the American Standard walk-in tub? Have you been sold? My first response was that this was a weird, crazy thing that I didn't understand. And then as I thought about it, I thought, wait, this actually makes sense, right? Like, don't old people fall in the tub Absolutely. All the time. So, like, mm-hmm. all the time. suddenly I was like, wait, this is actually kind of a smart. And then they were describing all the features and stuff. Like, there's, f- f- you know, fucking aromatherapy and chromatherapy and the jam with the bend upon the beach. Yeah. And I just mm-hmm. was like, uh, you know what? Sign me up. I want one of these. Give me one at of the, these. I'll take it. At the end, we get a nice little clip of Eric Roberts relaxing in the tub. And I got to say, it looked pretty cozy to me, Liam. I also bet it's easier to bang in that tub. I'm just putting that out there. Mm-hmm. What, mm-hmm. what with all those rails? Mm-hmm. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is, the sitting is banging in a regular tub. That's not actually. There's some acrobatics going on. There's stuff going on there. But there, uh, but there's a the version. Seat, there's a lot more room to hurt yourself in a regular tub. Yes. This one has like waist high. Fuck. Well, it has a fuck bench in it. Yeah, it has a right. fuck bench. Yeah. So, Did you see that? One of the versions of this have a door, has a door that swings outward. Can you imagine? It's like, open that up. It's like, entree, my lady. And then it's good t- good times. Good times is what it would be, Liam. You probably well, want there no, not I to think be that's, water in I, there. Yeah. I think that's mostly irrelevant because I think the uh, uh, young lady would be entering the tub once the water was full. <laughs> I think not. <laughs> I don't think she's getting in there and then you're if, waiting for it to fill. she is an older lady. That's a bad... You're just to, being a bad host uh, at that point. I, I, look, I don't want to get into too much detail here, but there's a little thing called foreplay, and usually that involves a tub filling with water over a period of 15 to 20 minutes or so. Wait, while you just I, sit there... Yes, while your bare wait, ass wait is minute, hanging Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah, but like, we, how are you supposed to get in and out of the yeah, tub I just realized, while it's full if it has that low, low entrance? No, this you is... Well, you in. step over it. You step over no, it. No, all right, no, all right. This no. is the thing. You have to sit in this tub while it fills up. Because yeah, the whole entire point of the tub is that you well, can't get into a tub normally. This is higher than a normal fucking tub. So you got to sit in there while it fills up with the water. This is the worst tub ever. You do. You do. That's one person. The other person gets in afterwards. It depends on the age of the person getting yeah, in. Yeah, of course it does. Of course. Also, because if that person also has bad knees, you're both going to have to hang out in the tub while it fills up. He, here's the thing. Plus, right. you have to make accounts for displacement. Oh, yeah. Or if you fill the tub yeah. up too much, yeah. and then a second person gets in That's and a good point. And I, I think this is an exceptionally good point, because as you know, almost everyone I fuck has bad knees. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, this tub is for older people. Mm. Older people gonna fuck too. 
And you could yeah. have a system of pulleys where you are lowered into the tub. It's not impossible. To... No, I think that's disrespectful. Well, it's disrespectful <laughs> until you set it up for yourself, of course. But what's really important and something that I really want to mention before we move on to this topic, I want to get everyone's thoughts on the fact that if you purchase this, you can get a free toilet. Uh, I, that was the most enticing thing in the commercial for me. You get yourself a walk-in tub, free toilet. Scott, thoughts on the free toilet? I think it's bullshit. I think that's a second free tub because you can pee in the in the tub as well. I mean, if you're, or it's a second toilet because you can. How pee in good the tub is the well. toilet? Is it a quality? No, I, I trampled all over that. No, uh, honestly, before. Scott, I think you actually made a second better point, which is that you do have kind of a second tub. I mean, if Liam was in the walk-in tub, little Maeve could bathe in the toilet bowl. That's fair. <laughs> I'm I'm so sorry. This is, the, this is the worst episode of this podcast <laughs> that's ever existed. Even the ep- well, you don't know if the water is hot or cold. Yeah, that's fair. Um, if you flush it enough times, it's got to. Do warm you think up. he can sleep in this tub? This high ass tub? You think he can yeah. sleep in there? Are you kidding I'm me? I'm kind of stoked on it. The more I think about it. I mean, old people fall asleep in like instantaneously, so I imagine it has to be designed that their heads aren't just going to mm-hmm. fall underwater, unless that's a secondary benefit of having one of these walk-in tubs is to get rid of your elderly relatives. Uh, Katie, we didn't really get your your solo thoughts on it. Are you uh, are you high on this walk-in tub idea? You think? Are you think we're all of society is heading in this direction? Um, I'm not really into soaking in the tub, mm. but if I were, I would be a hundred percent behind this tub. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's a great idea. They also have them kind of like that in Japan. Tell us more about these fancy bathtubs they have in Japan. Mm. Oh no, it was like the opposite of fancy. It was uh, it was smaller than that tub, <laughs> uh, so there's only enough room to stand. But the walls are really high, uh, and so you almost didn't need a shower curtain. And it was more of a shower than a tub. Like I don't think I could have filled it up all the way to like the waist. Liam, does it upset you to see a beloved actor like Eric Roberts, who, of course, is 62 years of age? He's no longer a young man, I think it's safe to say. When you see him in a commercial like this, does it remind you of not only his, uh, uh, let's say, general temporariness on this earth, but maybe your own uh, uh, temporary uh, uh, living uh, just words about death? Status. Death, living status. Uh, are you going to be canceled off this earth, Liam? <laughs> no, it doesn't. I'm not worried. It does, about it doesn't. At all. No, but it, did you think it was a little bit weird though to see Eric Roberts, someone, especially because we just all watched a movie which you know is from 1999. Eric Roberts is a, a much more lively and spry, and it's an. No, action. he was 62 then. Too. <laughs> but I mean, you know, he was visibly a younger man, which of course that's how things work in the past generally. Um, but and now to see him, you know, advertising for. An old person tub. Did that not bother you at all, Liam? No, we already watched the episode of uh, the Cats from Hell where we saw his weird squirrel house and his crazy cats. And that was enough of a reminder for me of of Eric Roberts' um, uh, advancing age. You can be a cat person at any age, Liam. I have three cats of my own. But you his have home. But his home is what I'm referring to. <laughs> What's wrong with his home? He has a ghost in there, Liam. You got to be careful about the ghost that lives in Eric Roberts. Now, I don't want to alienate our guest today. Uh, I'm referring to an episode of Celebrity Ghost Stories, a television show uh, which features celebrities talking about their experiences with the supernatural. And Eric Roberts' house, which does have a squirrel sanctuary in the backyard, and he does. Oh, this is his real house. His real house, absolutely. It is haunted. He, uh, Eric Roberts, of course, is 
uh, notoriously uh, has difficulty sleeping. He gets up in the middle of the night. He sees the specter, I believe, of a young woman in his kitchen. Uh, very scary. They brought out one of those machines which turned electrical signals into words. And it sounded like they were trying to communicate. Do you remember this, Liam? It was the first episode of Eric Roberts is the fucking man I ever did. <laughs> was that episode. <laughs> and uh, I do remember it. And I thought it was really dumb. Uh, Katie, <laughs> now, the both of you, you do a podcast where you intentionally seek out unique experiences. Would that be a correct uh, descriptor? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Would you, the both of you, stay in a place that was haunted by a spooky ghost? Yes, and absolutely. Uh, it's We would, and I would hate it, but that's why we should do it. I was just thinking about this the other day, <laughs> because there's that fucking old decrepit farmhouse up the road. Do you think they'd let us sleep in their house? That's what I'm thinking. We go over there, we talk to them, we fucking smooth it over. What if the farmhouse has a walk-in tub? Is that a cellar or a, or a detriment? <laughs> I don't I think I'm taking a bath. Using the bath in that house. You're, you're right. missing out. Those tubs look fucking awesome. They do There's look really great. I think we're both like crouched into the corner, terrified. No, I think we're both we we are like sharing a corner, but mm-hmm. we're like laying with our backs to the wall so that we can keep an eye out. But like the wall is behind us, so nothing can come come get us. Right. So what I just said, but nothing will worse. spook you in that tub. There's aromas. Okay, you're being a little silly about this, think, this very necessary topic. I don't think topic. the house that we're talking like I see this house on my drive to his house all the time. And I'm I talking about the Texas Chainsaw House. Yeah, like, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and when I come to your <laughs> house, sounds I nice. Pass by it. Right. And I don't think that that tub would not just fall through the floor. That's what I'm thinking. I think it's too heavy for that house. I think well, it's too we'll much. have to fill it up while we're there. Quick question to the both of you, starting with you, Scott. Do you believe in the supernatural? No. No? Excellent answer. Nope. <laughs> Katie, how about yourself? <laughs> I don't, but... I, oh, come on. I don't want any proof of it being real. But don't you think that would be the greatest thing, is proof that it would be real? I mean, wouldn't that no. open up... It That, to me, it's like, I always thought it would be an interesting concept to spend the rest of your life seeking out the supernatural that you don't believe in, because it would then open up the possibilities of, like, an afterlife and seeing your I relatives again. afterlife. I'm exhausted right now. <laughs> Why would I want to keep going after making all of these decisions? Oh my goodness, no afterlife for me. Please and thank you. Now, Liam, you've mentioned before you don't really believe in the supernatural. Is that correct? I do not. Yet you do believe that Jesus arose and went to heaven and he sat on the right-hand side of the Lord. I think... uh, (laughs) Explain that, young man! (laughs) I think think, uh, you've never actually taken the time to ever find out what I actually believe, so I think we should just keep going with the gimmick. I think that's more fun. But you do love ghosts, right? You like ghosts? No, I don't believe in ghosts. There's no more ghosts more fun than the Holy Ghost. Yeah, right? (sighs) I mean, I remember, Liam, you said that you hated the 2016 Ghostbusters because it was blasphemous. Nope, definitely not. Yeah, you that. said that on the podcast. <laughs> oh my God. Also, you said you couldn't believe women were taking over from some of your favorite comedic actors. <laughs> you don't uh, recall? Sounds like you're backtracking a little bit on that. This is the I. worst podcast that's ever existed. Do you know Recently that? added to the ever expanding Eric Roberts IMDb page <laughs> is 2019's A Karate Christmas Miracle. 
uh, which uh, longtime listeners of the show may have remembered that I mentioned a casting call for this literally in January of this year. They're going to rush this one through. Uh, turns out this one is uh, features uh, in that he's acting in it and is written by our old friend Liam Ken Del Vecchio. Do you remember Ken Del Vecchio, Liam? Uh, yeah, unfortunately. He was the writer and star of Scavenger Killers, a horror movie. And you might remember him because we talked about him at length in that episode, Liam, because he runs a conservative news site, which most of the articles are about him and how great he is. And he made a documentary about himself and how he was like a great Trump supporter. Uh, And now he just produces terrible, terrible movies. But I'm not saying this one's going to be. This one's called A Karate Christmas Miracle, directed by Julie Kimmel, the uh, the first uh, directorial effort of Julie Kimmel. Uh, I don't know who that is necessarily, but it is going to be her first movie. Here's the plot. After his father disappeared during a mass shooting on Christmas Day one year earlier, goddamn, 10-year-old precocious Jesse Genesis creates a 12 days of Christmas list of tasks. If he completes them all, including teaching himself to become a karate black belt, can you teach yourself to be? Anyway, he believes his father will return on Christmas. Jesse's sophisticated workaholic mother, Abby, believes her husband was lost in the shooting and has a glimmer of hope through visions that Jesse reports to her. After Abby enlists the aid of an eccentric, eccentric psychic turned law professor, a roller coaster thriller ensues. This is a thriller? It's called... A karate cr- anyway, where the trio unravel a mystery that no one expected and maybe just maybe witness the delivery of a miracle that can only happen on Christmas. Uh, very exciting sounding. It features Eric Roberts as a character named James Whitmore, as well as the Karate Kid's Martin Cove, who will uh, appear in just about anything. Liam, are you excited for a uh, karate Christmas miracle? No. Okay. Uh, Katie, cr- karate Christmas miracle. Will you return to Eric Roberts as the fucking man to talk about a karate Christmas miracle? I absolutely will. Absolutely. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Uh, this It does appear, I'm just interpreting from the uh, description, and because um, I also should mention that Ken Del Vecchio has also made a number of pro-life horror movies, uh, which are... <laughs> He, Whoa. Doesn't he sound like a peach of a person, this Ken Del Vecchio? I mean, we can't say too much about him without probably getting sued. I think he's a lawyer. Um, <clears throat> Scott... Karate Christmas Miracle, yay or nay? No. No? <laughs> just generally, just wipe it off the face of the planet? Hard no. <laughs> Hard pass. Liam, I'm worried about this litigious bullshit. I don't want to pay for it, as long as I'm not paying for it. Yeah, um, I don't want to say anything that's going to get the uh, this guy calling down the thunder on me. Okay. Um, Someone's afraid of getting put on blast, sounds like to me. Well, on, I, I don't want to be put on... I, I'm fine with being put on blast social media-wise. Uh, not so much in a courtroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and as such, I'm going to tell Ken to go on with whatever he's doing. Yeah. Sounds great. <laughs> Karate and Christmas. Who doesn't... That's two great I flavors mean, that taste great together, he's, right? He's uh, creating quote-unquote art. Mm-hmm. I can say his art is bad if I want to. Yes. Yeah. I, honestly, I think everything I said was 100% but if he's getting a, But if he's getting a black belt, and also it's Christmas, how do you not name it Black Christmas? <laughs> because that's a horror movie title. This is a thriller. It, okay. it, it is but somehow it's a thriller. Still... It's so is he, he created a 12 Days of Christmas list, so he's going to become a black belt in 12 days. I always thought it was a little bit more difficult than that. Liam... I mean, this still must excite you, but I am a little disappointed. You might recall, we did read the casting call for this. You could have been in this movie, a Karate Christmas Miracle, like you were in the beloved movie Creed, which you appear. Yeah, I don't want to be in this movie, though. Why? Because this sounds bad. Yeah, it does sound sound fucking 
terrible. It's terrible. But, yeah, it sounds like bad. <laughs> it sounds really bad, but we will watch it, Liam. And why is that? Blood oath. We made a blood oath to watch the life and work of actor Eric Roberts, and we cannot break it until episode 100 of this podcast, where we are suddenly <laughs> going to have to. I don't know what we're going to do yet, Liam, but it's probably going to involve some sort of uh, ritual that we will uh, play out uh, live on the podcast. I think it's time for us to take our first break. <clears throat> when we return, this is exciting. We are going to talk about another thriller, a thriller that matches the uh, excitement of Die Hard. With the thrills of the Towering Inferno, it's Die Hard meets the Towering Inferno. It's Heaven's Fire from the year 1999, and we're going to talk about it right after this. sees a building. However, one of the men trapped inside is an ex-treasury agent who just happens to be there with his son and new partner, as well as his wife shows up, but we'll get into that in just a little bit, having to fight the terrorists and fires that break out. This is a terrible summary, but it's Heaven's Fire from the year 1999, directed by Canadian David Warry Smith, uh, who has done a ton of television work. That's probably what he's best known for, including the television show Stargate, the current uh, series Designated Survivor, but he started his career working on second unit on The Littlest Hobo, Night Heat, and Due South, all Canadian classic series. So I'm very excited. Uh, also, this movie, Heaven's Fire, filmed in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Uh, this uh, film was uh, written by Rob Kirchner, uh, who's, who's written all sorts of amazing garbage. Uh, like, you know, the only one that I've actually seen on the list that I've uh, provided to all of you uh, and it might not even be here, is the straight-to-DVD sequel of The Addams Family, which has Tim Curry as Gomez. That one's shit. Uh, Turbulence 2, uh, let's see if there's anything else. Uh, Carnosaur 3, Blood Fist 7. I mean, just a lot of stuff. If you're the kind of people who would listen to an Eric Roberts podcast, you might already be aware of. And it's co-written by Charles Philip Moore, who wrote the movie Demon Wind, which is one that you might also be aware of as well. Uh, David, he followed up this movie the very next year with another TV movie called Deadly Ascent, uh, which this movie that we're about to talk about is a diehard uh, tribute, and that one is a cliffhanger tribute, except it stars Antonio Sabato Jr., as well as Jürgen Brocknow, who's in this movie as well. And yeah, I just mentioned it, the bad guy in this, Jürgen Brocknow, you probably know from Das Boot, uh, but also we have Eric Roberts here as the uh, ex- uh, security agent guy who is going to be our Bruce Willis equivalent in the movie. No one else is really important, but we'll talk about them anyway. I want to get everyone's thoughts on this action classic, Heaven's Fire. I want to start with one of our guests. I'm going to start with you, Katie. What did you think of Heaven's Fire? It had a lot going on mm. and was surprisingly boring for having that much going on. <laughs> I, I don't disagree. What are some of the things that were going on that you found so boring? Um. Well, it's 
It should have been exciting because it was it was these ex cops who get laid off, and so they're gonna rob the treasury building. Sure. And then, uh, it, fires break out mostly because of um, Dean McConnell, which is Eric Roberts' character. Mm-hmm. And um, then there's just a lot of shouting in a building that's on fire. There is there actually is a lot of shouting. Now, I did describe it as Die Hard meets the Towering Inferno. That's only true in the most base sense. There is a tower. Yeah. There are terrorists. There is fire. Uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, and certain elements certainly would remind one of Die Hard. But uh, it, it, it gets into some very different places, as we'll get into in just a little bit. Scott, your thoughts on Heaven's Fire? Well, I thought it was uh, pretty transparently a diehard ripoff, mm. you know, um, as I think we all know, Gene Simmons has had sex with a dog, and <laughs> this was a movie about um, a former treasury agent that was trying to, um, well, he was just trying to take a, a tour with his son of this building while a, a heist was going on. Yes. Uh, my My... Biggest takeaway from this entire movie was uh, what a gigantic um, bitch isn't the right word. It would be inappropriate, mm-hmm. but kind of what a giant bitch the the son was. So throughout oh. the throughout the entire film. So let's let's el- let's elaborate on, on that a little bit. So Dean McConnell, played by Eric Roberts in the movie, he's a ex Treasury agent. Uh, apparently, a yes. whole bunch of these uh, security guards, let's say, they all lost their job because of cutbacks. Some of them got very uh, disgruntled and decided to rob this treasury. Eric Roberts went on and became a security guard. He has a son played mm-hmm. by, let's say, Kaj Eric Erickson, who again uh, was the son on the television show The Commission. That's what I know him as. Uh, and classic he, Kaj, classic, right? And uh, in this movie, he plays a petulant teen. I believe he was at 21 years of age when he made this movie. Believe it or not, and he has uh, dyed hair and earrings, and he carries around a throwing star, uh, and he is the biggest garbage child anyone could ever have he just is a horrible i mean just there's a part so eric obviously you know he's not doing that great because he's working a security guard and his son thinks he's not cool because it's probably not the coolest thing in the world he learns to respect his dad though but uh when his when eric's character mentions that he might be getting married to his new uh girlfriend and that they might combine families Brady Bunch style. His son's like, looks like I'm going to be spending a lot more time at mom's house. What a piece of fucking shit this kid is. I, boy, <laughs> made me really angry to hear him say that. <laughs> Scott, aside from the, the, the terrible child, uh, any other thoughts on Heaven's Fire? Nope, those, uh, that's the beginning and ending of my thoughts on this movie. Is <laughs> I, I want this person to be hurt, uh, this character, uh, the worst things possible to happen to them. And it was hard for me to concentrate on anything else going on in the movie as long as he was uh, a character in it. And also, I would like to point out, you said his hair was dyed earlier. I would like to... Mm, uh, please. I would like to specify that only two-thirds of the hair yeah. was no, dyed. No, not even two-thirds. Uh, like, 10%. He had, like, a touch above each side. No, because it was... And then, like, a side sweep on the No, top. he had he it, did. like, on this whole side. So that's, like, 50 no. No, he Plus, didn't. he had like touches. Now I'm gonna look up a fucking yeah, picture. You, 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 while you look up a picture, Scott, you must have applauded. However, when an entire stairwell fell on this kid's head, and somehow it just caused him a little bump. Oh, I was delighted. I I really didn't see that coming, and then when it happened, we I, I think we were both surprised. Yes. Uh, I thought that I had miswatched it. 
Yeah, you were like, I can't believe they did that. And then uh, very quickly arrived the, the 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 crushing realization that he was in fact alive. <laughs> they show yeah. a piece, wanted, they show a big piece of concrete, that. literally just like bonk him on the head. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely styrofoam concrete. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, what a shame. Liam, going over to you, yeah, I'm sure you have some strong feelings on Heaven's Fire. Why don't you uh, share them with us? How many times could we have a close-up of someone saying government cutbacks? They just kept saying it over and over again until... That was the real bad guy. Yeah. Like, by the end, it, it's like... It, it, at first, it's just the setup, but then huge plot points. Like, we spend all this time with the thieves trying to find this elevator shaft that doesn't fucking exist just so our man, Jurgen can go, government cutbacks! Like, it's... Uh, it went from something that was like, oh, I get it. Yeah, cutbacks, you know, whatever. Uh, and then it's like the whole movie is ruled by the... It's like, it doesn't matter who murders who or who blows up what or what all the... In the end, only government cutbacks have power. And we are <laughs> beholden to them. Also, what kind of fucking fire... De- what What am I supposed to believe about Seattle that their fire department's like, our hoses only go up to the sixth floor. You guys, <laughs> you guys shouldn't have built buildings higher than six floors. We never told you to. We didn't tell you to build these fucking buildings. Well, this is all tall it goes. And, you know, helicopters don't exist. I just don't understand how they were just trapped in this building. It doesn't make any sense to me. It did seem a little confusing why some of the more obvious ways that they could get out of this were not explored. Like, yeah, I mean, I do guess they do explain it that as they're going upstairs in the stairwell, which a good chunk of this movie just takes place in a stairwell, they have to get up because if they go down, there's too much fire. So they're all heading up. But there isn't really an end game for going up because apparently the floors above them are just getting more and more fire on them. So there's not there's not really a uh, an end point that they can get to to be rescued from. So I guess that's why they couldn't get a helicopter in there. But how about through the window, Liam? No one ever thinks about the windows. And according I, to this movie, those windows are paper thin. I just – I think they're – whatever. I'm not going to make excuses for the movie. Please. I also don't understand the trope where it's like – Eric Roberts does like one helpful thing and they're like, well, clearly you're in charge now. And then one thing goes wrong. They're like, this fucking guy, he's killed us all. Like, wait a minute. You've minted him your savior after one mildly heroic act. And then when it turns out being in a building burning from two sides is kind of difficult. Everyone's immediately like, well, fuck this guy. I'm going on my own. What's what's great is their punishment for daring to have their own ideas on how they might survive oh, yeah. this, are to die in a plummeting elevator into fire. It's also they stand around and argue a lot. There's a lot like, of arguing. Just do your own thing. This isn't the time to be wasting like talking about whether or not you agree with somebody. Just either do it or don't. But like, well, there's a lot. Why? There's a lot of emotional shifts that like don't have context. Like at one moment we're seeing the there's an older couple and this one woman is unafraid to tell everyone how she's feeling in every situation. And so she's just finished berating Eric Roberts for not saving them magically, I guess. Like there's no way he could save them. And she's just like made him feel bad. And then a couple scenes later, <laughs> the guy on the walkie talkie's like, I don't know, maybe you're in on it. And she's like, How dare you like she comes to his defense and I'm just kinda like, these people are aren't characters they just exist to say lines that these folks thought like someone needs to say this line i don't know give it to the old lady you know like they don't really care they're just there to say things that that heighten the tension they don't even give any useful information for the story they're just there to like 
heighten things and make them more uncomfortable. So the action kicks into high gear in this when the terrorists who have uh, basically hijacked a uh, helicopter, that helicopter, thanks to help from Eric Roberts, uh, the the uh, pilot gets shot. He crashes the helicopter into the side of the building, starting a fire that ends up going out of control. Um, and that so you could make a case, actually, that Eric Roberts was contributing to a lot of the danger that's occurring here and that eric roberts caused this movie yeah, to happen absolutely and then we get a lot of action because this is an action movie the most notable piece of action i think is when two of these ex uh guards they try to come into a room eric roberts is hiding he bonks one of them with the door and then he has a fight a fist fight with the other one and in the course of this fist fight eric roberts hey he's getting a brunt of the punishment he kind of he kind of leans over, and then this gentleman takes a running start, and then what happens, Liam? He goes out the window. <laughs> he just goes out the window. There is no <laughs> shot. Look, I've in the course of this day, I have seen this segment probably thirty times, and I'm always waiting for Eric Roberts to like just kind of move out of the way, but he's just hunched over. This guy takes a running start and jumps out the window to his death from a skyscraper. Um, also, like, mm-hmm. Eric doesn't dodge or anything. He's The guy just runs out of window. He's leaned over because he has hurt his stomach or his side. I think his side got punched or something like that. So he's leaning forward and maybe takes a step forward because he's leaning forward. But there's no visible attempt to dodge. It's like the guy throws a kick and just zooms. And by the way, that window is, like, breaking well before he touches it. But he goes... Boom, out the window. So uh, not working with a a brilliant group of terrorists in this case. Scott, what was your favorite action moment in the movie? Uh, I liked when they were saving uh, some of the, uh, you know, um, the tour group (laughs) in the stairwell and were dragging them via sheet uh, uh, over over what amounted to a boiling cauldron of flames. Yeah, you know, with with no issue, yeah. they were able to do they that with zero problem. Rotisserieing, I was happy that they cut ahead so that most of them had already climbed because I wasn't Same. sure about the mechanics of everybody climbing up that very <laughs> that sheet that is going. Well, the first thing Schultz said to me during that sequence was, "What about the old man? Yeah, who can't move his legs? Right? Yeah, was it? like Body? passed out. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah." Yeah. Yeah. So, and I said, you loop the fucking sheet around his neck and you yank him. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a shame they didn't go that way. I will have to say, Liam, that that did that whole sequence gave me unfortunate flashbacks to high school gym class and my inability to climb the rope. And I'm like, I'm never going to be able to need to do this in real life. And there's a situation that, what if I was in that, Liam? I would have fallen to my death. What do you think about that? You might have been filled with some sort of preternatural survival strength, right? Isn't that a thing that happens to people? I would make a bridge out of the corpses of the other people in that group and climb my way to safety. I would also point out that the first guy that crosses, uh, Eric Roberts, kisses him on the forehead. And then you don't... <laughs> what? Yeah, that happens. It's very brief. That happens. Yeah. And then at the very end, you know, his lady comes up there and he kisses her. And so I think what the implication is uh-huh. is that Eric Roberts kisses everyone yeah. upon their arrival at the upper level. Uh, look, as so, over the flames. I mean, wouldn't that be a very comforting thing after such a traumatic incident to have someone? Kiss I you? think so. Especially Eric Roberts kiss you on the forehead. I think it would be very nice. Katie, favorite action part of this movie? Um, 
I guess the helicopter fight, it seems the most useless. Like, just let them get away, and then you don't have to start a fire, and no one has to die in a fire. Uh-huh. I think Eric Roberts is responsible for those two men who died in a plummeting elevator. I don't see why Eric was so committed to trying to stop this whole thing anyway. Like, it really did seem like those terrorists were not interested in hurting anybody. Uh, they didn't even yeah. they didn't even hurt the people they stole the helicopter from, and you think that they would have. All he did was strand him somewhere. So he was just going to go in, steal money that wasn't Eric's anyway, and probably he should have a right to feel a little sore about being fired from a place that obviously has a lot of money on hand. And and then everyone would have been fine. I think that the real lesson here is that hey, we should hold our horses. Maybe he had a good reason for wanting to steal that money. Um, that helicopter explosion, Katie. What did you think of the explosion? <clears throat> Uh, very believable. Mm-hmm. Uh, ten out of ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's on par with some like Avenger shit, man. Mm-hmm. James Cameron himself so, could oh, not yeah. have pulled that off, especially with that budget. Oh man, it was perfect. There's a lot of fire. There's a lot of fire in this movie generally, and some special effects where we see uh, the outside of the building on fire and parts of it kind of burning out, and it does look kind of like it was filled in with MS Paint. But other times, it looks like it's on fire. Uh, Liam, favorite action sequence. I don't know that I have a good answer for this, actually. Well, it was probably that guy jumping out the window. Let's face it. I mean, that was pretty great. I got to say, actually, (laughs) so uh, the helicopter pilot gets hit by a stray bullet. And, you know, Eric Roberts has been, like, hanging on to the helicopter. He he gets off of the helicopter. And then this guy just sort of careens about in this slow death. Uh And the look on his face, it just, he just looks just kind of like weirdly surprised like oh no what's what's happened (laughs) oh dear and uh look if you're a helicopter pilot if you're a helicopter pilot it must go through your head all the time this is a likely way that you're gonna go down right so it probably wasn't that big of a surprise well i just like also your man Jurgen is like yelling at him like hey bring the bring the bring the helicopter we we gotta we gotta get on the helicopter it's time to get on the where's he going Where's he going with the helicopter? <laughs> Jurgen Prock now gives the most sincere scream of "No!" when that guy dies. I mean, it's probably because the, the helicopter money. is the only the, way out of all, there, and all the well, money. It's all the money but, is on there. But maybe he cares about these guys, right? Maybe he just really gives a damn. And I don't think that that was explored enough. Speaking of not explored enough, so Eric Roberts is trapped in a stairwell with all of these people who are gone going on a tour of the building. The tour is being led by his girlfriend. He's there with his son and his girlfriend's daughter. They're all trapped in the stairwell. Elsewhere in the building, Jürgen Prochnow, the lead terrorist, his girlfriend is also there. She's stuck in an elevator because one of his secondary men didn't want her kind of getting in the way. Well, eventually that elevator gets opened, and the 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 woman uh, who's in the elevator, she meets up with the group. Liam, what did we discover about her then? That's his ex-wife. <laughs> that is improbably... Eric Roberts' ex-wife. Well, I, well, I, I think it. This is actually, I, honestly, I think this is meant to answer your question from earlier, Doug. Sure. Mm-hmm. The whole reason he goes after Jurgen is because he's banging. He knows Jurgen's banging his ex. It and seems so, like he did suspect that, right? Because he even mentions to his uh, now ex-wife that it's like, "Hey, did you hook up with him while we were still married?" Yeah. As as if as if that kind of impropriety is worse than her being a terrorist. So, yeah, the whole thing's personal. He's going after them not for justice or anything. He's just mad because he's like, hey, you've been screwing my ex. That was That's the whole thing. 
Scott. I honestly didn't know what Eric Roberts' drive was throughout this whole movie. Besides, like, make sure his kid is safe, that is... But then he does a whole bunch of stuff that is the opposite of that. Right. Like, stand there and argue with people in fires, or leave him when there's armed robbers afoot. <laughs> like, he's making all the wrong choices. I have a question for all of you. So, Eric Roberts, his ex-wife, uh, an attractive woman... I think that's fair to say. Uh, th- we're supposed to believe that she has uh, left Eric Roberts to start a relationship with Jurgen Prochnow, great actor, looks like a monster. I mean, he is a monstrous-looking human <laughs> being. Unbelievably uh, gargoyle-ish, I would say. Uh, very unpleasant to look at his face. Uh, did you, starting with you, Katie, did you have trouble believing that that relationship was sincere? Um... I mean, no relationship at all seems sincere mm. in this entire movie. Sure. But I, I have a question for you. Oh, please. Which is, why did the son know Quentin, which I believe is Jurgen's name in the movie, yes. as Klaus? Oh, an excellent question. Maybe he was going by a, a nom de plume uh, at some point uh, in this movie. For... Yeah, but with his kid, but I mean, with his uh, girlfriend's kid and not on the... Thief mission that he's on, like he's going to use his real name. Yeah, it's especially weird because it seems there's a suggestion. I think that the child, uh, child, I mean the guy's in his twenties, but the Eric Roberts' son also might know him, uh, Jurgen Prochnow's character from his father's work. That like he might have known him previously there, uh, and maybe not just because he's his mom's boyfriend. But that's a, a question I do not have a good answer for, and I have a, uh, a feeling deep in the pit of my stomach that maybe the writers of this wouldn't be able to answer it properly. As well. Uh, over to you, Scott. Do you think that this relationship... Look, maybe Jürgen Prochnow's character, maybe he has a good personality, but did it seem like it was unlikely that these two would hook up? No, because I think once you factor in uh, Jürgen's raw, unchecked sexuality oh. and his alpha nature, uh, I think it becomes pretty clear. I mean, um, he is basically you know, uh, lording that over uh, Eric Roberts throughout this movie, I feel like. You know, yes, gargoyleish. Yes, uh, upsetting to the eye. But also, I mean, just raw, unchecked masculinity. Uh, you can't really argue mm. with that. I mean, admittedly, getting unfairly fired, uh, it's a pretty proactive response to try to take, you know, really punish the people who fired you. Mm-hmm. While Eric just seemed to move on with his life pretty easily, move into his... Uh, apartment uh, with his hi-fi and his son. I mean, you're right. I guess I can see how um, er- Eric is totally being cucked, I would say here, by Jürgen Prochnow. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Also- Jürgen, Jürgen's sort of the Chad of the situation, I would say, Liam. Anyway, More like heaven's cuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's also the kind of dude who gives a teenager a throwing star. So he's kind of established that he's like really cool, but also like wise. You know what I mean? So and let's talk him- about that. Liam, giving a teenager a throwing star is wise. Yeah, he's very wise and insightful. <laughs> uh, you can't learn, you can't get a black belt in twelve days unless you have a throwing star. That is something that we all should be aware of. So let's talk yeah, about that's entry level ninja shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's day mm-hmm. that's day one stuff. So just to elaborate on what you were saying there, Liam, uh, as Eric Roberts' son is going into this federal building, he uh, sets off the. Um, uh, metal detector, and then he has to empty his pockets because he's a law-abiding citizen. And he takes out his wallet, 
He takes out his keys, and he takes out a ninja throwing star, which apparently he just carries. I thought for the world he was going to take out a pocket knife and Eric Roberts was going to dress him down. Instead, he takes out a throwing star, <laughs> which he says was given to him by his mother's boyfriend, which we learn later who how that all connects up. Believe it or not, that actually comes back near the end of the movie where Eric Roberts has to throw that throwing star Chekhov's throwing That's right. (laughs) It embeds in Jürgen Prochnow's uh, hand, which is holding a gun, and he makes a really great response. He goes, ow! (laughs) As one would. Uh, Liam, what did you think of that throwing star uh, bit? Uh, It reminded me that this movie is set before uh, (laughs) 9-11, because... (laughs) It's it's hard not to think about that while watching this. He has the... Well, you know, I went to get my passport in... 2002 with my mom and my mom had nail clippers and they thought about detaining her and possibly sending her to Guantanamo for those nail clippers. Meanwhile, Eric Roberts, they bring this throwing star into the treasury building and Eric Roberts goes, whoop, I'll hold on to that. And they're like, like, okay, sure. Okay, dad, you take this throwing star. No problem, oh, guy who was fired because of budget cutbacks. (laughs) Also, um... There's nothing lamer. I mean, <laughs> I know, that, I know that, it. That scene, he should have like put down a throwing star, but then also put down like a fedora and like <laughs> a, a hoverboard he had. And you know what I mean? Like, what is douchier than being like, yeah, I'm just kidding around my throwing star in case in case shit goes <laughs> so, down. He just takes it, like, okay, takes out a book by Jordan Peterson stars. and puts it in the thing. Yes, tell us about throwing stars. Is it's like, Wait, you know the thing about throwing no, stars? No, no, no. <laughs> no, please educate us. What good is one throwing star? <laughs> like, if Depends you, on how good the wrist is. I mean, if you got I mean, a fucking like, If boom. you think you're going to be in a situation that needs a weapon, you're going to have a weapon that you only can use once. Right. I mean, admit it, I, I have to say, Katie, generally I would agree with you 100%. However, this very movie shows you a perfect example where you need a single throwing star, which is when there's a guy holding you hostage with a gun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you'll only get and also, one chance. If, if so. you, you know, it doesn't matter if you only have one chance, if you only need one yeah, chance. Yeah, if you've mastered yeah, the throwing yeah. star, then it's but no you problem. you only have yeah. one chance? Yeah, he's he's clearly mastered. Yeah. And, there's, just, there's just not a lot of weapon options that allow you to both like have a, a completely useless and dumb weapon, but also kind <laughs> of have a little bit of like cultural appropriation at the same time. Sure. Like, you need both flavors in there. And the throwing star really gets there in a way that like the only thing that could possibly compare is nunchucks. And I just don't think his pants were big enough for that. Mm-hmm. And it's like... impressive. If he had had size. Oh, really. shit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> would not have been as impressive. That's that's two or nunchucks, as, as See, our I friend just pointed out. The it, it's throwing star, and then like the next step that came later on, like post nineteen ninety nine, was butterfly knives. I feel like butterfly that's that's an ex- yeah, excellent. Yeah, yeah. Point. I would have been impressed. I would have been equally impressed with a butterfly knife. I think, but you're getting mean, away from Ninja Turtle weapons, and we were kind of on theme. Yeah, what about the boa staff? The Ninja Turtles have throwing stars. What they, they have like. The, the little two little swords that have a name that I forgot. They have the staff. No. Leonardo has a fucking She was referring to the size and did not realize that when you said size, that's what you were referring to. Yeah, the size are the two little daggers. Size. Okay, you oh, said okay. swords, which 
quite frankly, is upsetting. I knew upsetting. it was wrong, but and, I couldn't remember what okay. they were called. The katana right. blades gonna, is probably what she was referring to. But just going back to this uh, throwing star for a second, the movie does, it, in one of the few very impressive visual touches, when he throws the throwing star, we get a nice Sam Raimi angle from right behind the throwing star as it goes flying through the air and then embeds into Jurgen Prochnow's hand. And I have to say, I appreciated it. What about you, Liam? It's fine, I guess. Liam, Liam, who's your least favorite of the hostages? <laughs> Um, I didn't like any of the hostages. No, of course actually. not. They're awful. They're but which is your bad. least favorite? I guess the two dudes who died in the elevator were like what the accountant? Yeah, those, he did the math so bad. quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite was uh the guy. It, was it one of the guys there for like his citizenship test or something? Like I didn't quite catch. Oh yeah, yeah. The one diversity. Yeah, yes. that dude. I was like, I was like, yeah, more of this guy in the movie. He's pretty great. He uh, he usually made the right decisions, so good on him. He wasn't like that accountant again, who sure. died a horrible, flamey death. It was worth it. Descending elevator. Uh, that that whole plan was so bad. Like the fact yeah. that he talked that other dude into like, no nah, man, this is gonna work. There, I will say that they were really stuck. I mean, they were in a bad position where there's fire at the top and bottom of the building, and once the top and bottom meet the fires meet they apparently just explode uh and then there's absolutely no way that anyone could survive unless they lock themselves in a bank vault or in a closet filled with water hey let's talk about the ending of this movie so i want to can i ask a question please about uh the the flash flashover i believe with the technical terms of course yes for when the two fires meet Uh uh-huh the sequel to back Um, how, is that scientifically accurate? Because I feel like it could be or it could not be. Now, I'm not that's sure. an excellent question. Now, Liam, you lowered your education over the rest of us on this podcast. So mm, can you answer mm. that? Is this a flashover? Which, by the way, shouldn't they have called the movie that as opposed to Heaven's Fire? Uh, but anyway, and Liam, is that possible? Fire meets fire it leads to explosion. Sure, that sounds believable to me. I, I'm, I'm in. That sounds right. No, I have no idea. That does it. That whole thing, <laughs> everything about the, the that sounds made up to me. But I, I don't know. Scott, can you add anything to this? Do you have any scientific background that might help us out here? Uh, yes, it's very accurate. Oh, thank goodness, those do happen. If you are flashovers, do happen. If you are a loyal listener of Eric Roberts, is the fucking mm-hmm. man. You can, of course, let us know if the science is accurate by going over to our Twitter feed at eritfm or emailing us through the website. Let's talk about the ending of this movie. So, most of the terrorists, of which there weren't a lot in the first place, they all get killed. All we got now is Jurgen Prock. Now he is in the money place, the bank vault. He overhears that all the hostages, they're all headed there. They're going to try to wait out the explosion in the vault. There's a problem, though. You can't lock the vault from the inside. Someone's got to close it from the outside. Someone's going to have to sacrifice themselves. So we have our uh, big fight between Jürgen Brocknow and Eric Roberts. And then, of course, he knocks Jürgen Brocknow quite easily unconscious, closes the vault, hides in a closet, which he fills with water, and somehow they all managed to survive. Uh, starting with you, uh, Scott, what did you think of the plan at the end of this movie? Did you think this was a good plan to make sure that everyone... I guess it was good. Everyone made it. But what did you think of the plan? Well, as soon as Eric Roberts grabbed the fire hose and dragged it into <laughs> the... Um, uh, it wasn't so much a... 
what are we calling? I have no idea what it was. I said closet. It, it had a hole in the top. That's of true. It's more like a, fi- a filing cabinet it was like a with cabinet, doors. But oh, okay. It was watertight. Yeah. Right. And there was a hole that they could put the hose through. And there was a guy in there, right? Because he was like hanging on a body like a, yeah, a well, life he, preserver. Yeah, he took Jurgen with him because he didn't want Jurgen to die. Okay, in the right. So it had to be deep enough to sustain a body that's floating upright, like flat like that. Horizontal. No, he was like holding him, like against his chest. It was, it was like the tub. <laughs> it was. was. Like, where they, he's like sitting down. Okay, right, 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 <laughs> right. It was pretty tender. Right. The way circling back. <laughs> I mean, with none, with none of the light therapy the that light comes therapy, with that. None of the, none of the quick the, uh, draining. What is the color therapy called on those? Color therapy. Yeah, like when we did the isolation tanks, they changed the colors to you know. Chromotherapy. I don't know. They put red on you, get horned up. You put blue on. Sorry, Liam. Liam, why don't you tell us the thing that they're trying to remember the name of that you've already said? Chromotherapy. There you go. Chromotherapy. There it is. Thank you, Liam. Um, But anyway, the point. The the, the point of all of this is. I know because the tubs do it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm, I'm glad we got. That shit figured out. I- we got like nine steps away from what we were talking about. But uh, what I thought of his end plan was when he brought out the, the fire hose, I was like, is he really about to die hard this shit? Like, <laughs> yeah. Jump out the window right? with the fire he hose. He should have. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, he did even better than John McClane. He, he hid, hid a like fucking, a fucking nerd. Now he hid in a fucking <laughs> filing cabinet. <laughs> And then he survived. Hiding in a cabinet. That's the hero's way. Uh, yeah. I, Very courageously, he hid He from created the this fire. It's called Cuck's Fire. <laughs> and then he hid from his own fire. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Eric Roberts, the actor. Uh, he appears as the lead in this film, Heaven's Fire. Uh, it's a... Uh, this might surprise you, uh, guests of the show, but sometimes we get Eric Roberts films which do not feature a lot of Eric Roberts. Here, he is pretty primarily... Featured, he's probably pretty prominent. He's pretty prominent, definitely. He does have the John McClane role here. Um, what did we think of Eric Roberts' performance? Starting with you, Liam. It's fine. It's definitely not um, one of my favorite of his performances. Uh, there's a couple of parts where he is, uh, you know, supposed to have a little bit of swagger, you know. Um, and there's a few moments that are supposed to be like tender moments, like where he's saying bye to his girlfriend and son that are so Eric Roberts. Like, they kind of remind <laughs> me of the ways that he said bye to us when we met him. So, <laughs> so those moments were kind of charming just because, you know, having met him, I'm like, ooh, that's definitely more him than what's in the script, you know? But uh, but it wasn't anything that spectacular either. It, you know, we've definitely seen some Eric Roberts performances that were a little more standout than this one. Would have liked to have seen even though his son is an irritating piece of shit, it would have been nice to see a little bit more interaction with him sure. and either his girlfriend or his son, because I did feel like he, he brought a real easy charm to that. Now, Katie, this is the first time you watched a movie featuring Eric Roberts that you knew it was Eric Roberts. What did you think of his performance? It was very bland. It felt like he was high the whole time. <laughs> well, Just I like, mean... happy to be there. I showed up to work today. 
<laughs> I mean, it, it, potentially he was high. Uh, certainly he went on celebrity rehab to break him of his uh, uh, affection for marijuana, which we later found out from our live interview with him, Liam, that that was just a, a, a big joke, and uh, he just went right back to smoking pot right afterwards. True. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, he did it while we were interviewing him. <laughs> uh, not not actually in the process of, but certainly immediately before and after. Uh I guess you, I could see him. It does seem he's a little disengaged at times here. Scott, what did you think of his performance? Uh, I agree with Schultz. It was very bland. There wasn't much to it. Um, yeah, he obviously didn't like do character work. Like, what's my goal? I had the what's thought while I was watching it at one point that Eric Roberts isn't so much uh, an actor as a guy who likes to play make believe. <laughs> and and all that comes with that, right? He doesn't you know. do his, like, Meisner studies for every act. No, I don't think so. I think this was a quick paycheck. Well, I mean, that very that could very well be the case. However, I do take some offense at this idea that, that Eric Roberts couldn't transform himself. You know, he was... <laughs> he, he, he did win a Golden Globe for Best New Performer back in 1978 for King of the Gypsies. And, of mm-hmm. course... His performance in Pope of Greenwich Village and Runaway Train and, of course, King of the Gypsies. I mean, I think he can be very transformative in roles that are not direct to television diehard ripoffs. I think that his character here has a somewhat easy charm, which maybe um, doesn't get put on display, especially once the action kicks in. But generally, I have to agree with really all three of you. This is, there isn't much to this performance uh, that... It's hard. I wish we did get maybe a little bit more background, but they spend the first 20 minutes or so spending so much time with the terrorists that you don't really get a sense of who this guy is. Um, and, of course, they have to hide all of the stuff with his wife because otherwise you would be not surprised once that gets revealed in the movie itself. Let's bring this down to the very theme, the very title of this podcast, which is, Is Eric Roberts the fucking man in 1999's Heaven Fire? Starting with you, Scott, is he the fucking man in this, in this movie? Uh, no, cannot confirm. Cannot confirm? Sad cannot to say. Confirm. Sad to hear. Katie, is he the fucking man or not? He is a man. Hmm? A man. He is a singular man. Mm-hmm. He exists as a man in this world. That's it. That's all I got for him right now. Does just he give, be, just I mean, on this. he's not afraid to give out kisses. It's true. <laughs> when hey, he's saving, the you, know, side. you know. He also does not give a fuck that his son is a turd. Like in right. the beginning, he's his son's he, just he like he did raise a ninja thar- star thrower, right? But which like, is mainly as fuck. Um, but like his kid is like, you're a disappointment now that you're a security guard, and Eric Roberts like, whatever, man. Like he doesn't even scold him for being mean. <laughs> he's just like, yeah, cool. I understand how you feel that way, but that's nice. <laughs> Liam, is Eric is Eric Roberts the fucking man in Heaven's Fire? I hate to say that. Uh, oh, no. I hate to say that. Uh, yes, because it is sort of a bland performance. On the other hand, I think the bar is really low in Heaven's Fire. Sure. Uh, in in fact, I I don't know if 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 I didn't already know who Jurgen Prochnow was, I would say that this is a movie featuring Eric Roberts and a cascade <laughs> of faceless nobodies who don't exist in the world. Like each one of them could have been, especially the hostages, you could have had them switch characters midway through and I wouldn't have noticed. Like they could just be, I'm just going to be you now for right. the rest of the movie. So uh, 
I get all of your lines, and it won't make a difference. So, so <laughs> considering that, and the fact that the other times the precedent of us declaring him not the man the movies have been like actual crimes against humanity that that sure. i'm like yeah i mean in this in the scale of eric roberts yeah he's still the man in this one i you know he's he's not it's not anything that impressive but it, it's also not offensive or embarrassing or awful so yeah i'm gonna say yes okay all right you know it seems like a very divisive question today so i'm gonna simplify things before we go to our final break in the American Standard Walk-In Tubs TV commercial that we all watched, <laughs> is Eric Roberts the fucking man? Starting with you, Scott. Yes, of course. Yes, of course. Katie? 100%. 100%. Leo? Oh, yes. Undoubtedly. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Not necessarily in 1999's Heaven's Fire, but certainly in the American Standard Walk-In <laughs> Tubs TV commercial currently airing in the United States of America and elsewhere. I do recommend you check that out. We'll put the link in the show notes for this episode. But we need to take our final break. When we return, we're going to do a little plugging and we're going to say goodnight. That was episode number 93 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. I want to give a massive thank you to our two guests today, the co-host of the Trying Times podcast. It's Scott Wampler and Katie Schultz. Uh, guys, starting with you, Katie, where can people find you and your work on the Internet? Then we'll move over to Scott, starting with you, Katie. Um, I really just have a Twitter um uh, Right now, my name is FartDart. My at is <laughs> at DingZip. And... Um, I have an Instagram, KT Lizzie, the letter K, the letter T, L I Z Z I E. We'll check it out. We'll put that in the show notes. And Scott, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Scott Wampler BMD. Uh, I have a, a Facebook page and other uh, social media accounts, but I don't, I don't want any of you to contact me. Uh huh. Frankly. Understandable. Um, uh, follow me on Twitter. If, uh, that's fine. And also I write daily at, uh, birthmoviesdeath.com. Now, maybe we should also tell people how can they find the Trying Times podcast? It's on any of them. It's on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Not, wait, maybe not Stitcher. Yeah, it's on Stitcher. It's on Stitcher? Okay. Yeah. I signed it up for a bunch of them and then forgot about it, and so it should mm. be on almost any of them. We and take we will... this very seriously, as you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> we will, of course, put links to uh, the podcast and all of your social media 
in the show notes. Thank you. Honestly, I can't thank you guys enough. I know that it's a, t- a large time commitment, and you had to watch a movie called Heaven's Fire. Uh, I really <laughs> no, do appreciate Thank you for it. having us. I really do appreciate both of you coming on. Liam, Liam, our listeners know you as a naughty boy. Oh, now. God. Uh, legendarily, yeah. Santa Claus beat you up for being a naughty yeah. boy while you were trying to study religion. Uh, yeah. Um, Liam, Liam, how, do you do me a little bit of a favor? Just lean right into that. No, I don't want to. No, please, <laughs> Liam. It sounds to me you're being a little more naughty. Than I'll usual. lean in when you say something worth responding to. Uh, I was going to ask you, Liam, what's going on uh, with you and what's going on with Cinepunks? Where can people find you online? Well, they can find uh, all the relevant information about Cinepunks at. Cinepunks, C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X, or at Cinepunks.com, spelled the same. Or you can find us on Instagram, C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X. Uh, yeah. And, of, and don't forget, of course, Liam can be found no, on Twitter, at Liam do, Rules. On, they don't That's want, no. R-U-L-Z, Liam. They don't want to do that. Liam, could you do me a favor and change your Twitter name from something so stupid like you currently have to, like, Naughty Boy Cinepunks, something like that? Um, sassy naughty boy, nasty naughty boy. That's no good. sassy. Sa- oh, sassy. That's better than nasty. Mm. How about sassy boy? No. How about saucy boy? No. How about sauce? How about just the sauce? Mm, no. Spaghetti uh, sauce. Uh, boy sauce. <laughs> naughty sauce. Naughty boy sauce. Naughty boy sauce. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I didn't think you were uh, gonna break me, but naughty boy sauce is pretty good. <laughs> Uh, well, of course, you can find Liam's work there. Uh, and, yeah, always go over to cinepunks.com. I have some work uh, on there as well. And, of course, Liam and I have a new podcast with a friend, Adriana, called The Flight Stuff. It focuses on uh, 80s and 90s and current, I guess, superhero team uh, Alpha Flight, the Canadian superhero team, the Canadian Avengers, you might say, Liam. Yeah, you might say that. You might say that, but we have a podcast about them for some reason. And you can find that also on uh, Twitter, at FlightStuffPod. You can, of course, find me, Doug Tilly, over on Twitter, at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. If you want to find out more about Eric Roberts is the fucking man, you can go over to EricRobertsTheMan.com or go on Twitter, at E-R-I-T-F-M, or do a search for Eric Roberts is the man on Facebook as well. I also have another podcast called No Budget Nightmares, which is about ultra-low-budget, micro-budget, and shot-on-video cinema. You can find that over at NoBudgetPodcast.com or on Twitter, at no budget podcast but folks my wonderful listeners it's time for us to close up the eric roberts bag for another week we will be back very very soon with another eric roberts classic good night everybody night eric roberts is the fucking man eric roberts is the fucking man eric roberts is the fucking man if there's anything that you can do eric roberts fucking can